Today's word comes from James chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses 13 to 18. James chapter 5, verses 13 to 18. And just to kind of introduce uh, kind of where we're going and just kind of recap a little bit, we've been getting a better understanding of what prayer is. And uh, we've been learning how to pray. And so we're going to continue that as we relearn and remind ourselves what prayer is. So at this time, would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? James chapter 5, verses 13 to 18. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with the oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. The grass withers and the flower falls but the word of the Lord remains forever. May be seated. Let's, would you join me in prayer? Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your holy word. We thank you that you have given us this word so that we can uh, glorify your name and know you better. We ask that at this time that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts, open our eyes to see your glory and may we be transformed. Help me to preach your word faithfully according to um, just what your word has to say. We thank you once again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, if you've been a Christian for a long time or even for a short time, if you're a skeptic or a non-believer, you know that prayer is something that one ought to do. But even though you know that it's something that we should do, don't we find praying hard? I remember my interview, not at Cornerstone, but at my previous church. And during this interview, my, the senior pastor asked me a question. And he said, Isaac, what would you do if you ran out of money as you were in seminary and doing ministry? And he gave me the context that, you know, our church, we can't pay you that much. And I don't know what got to me, but all of a sudden I thought, I'm going to joke with this man. And so I said to him, Pastor... I'm going to find me a rich wife. And expecting to hear some laughter, I, all I heard was silence. <laughs> and then my friend, who was the previous youth pastor, who was out there in an interview, interjected and said, it's a joke, it's a joke. And then the pastor went on to say, Isaac, what I wanted you to say was that you would pray. Man, I was so ashamed. <laughs> Uh, and then he gave me a lecture on <laughs> what prayer is and why I should pray. So friends, if you learn anything from me at all, and if you're in your 20s and 30s and you go to bridge ministry, and just as Pastor Andrew said, you're going to learn some things, uh, it, this is what you're going to learn. Don't joke during an interview. And if you're wondering if I did say this during my inter interview at Cornerstone, I didn't, and that's why I got the job. <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness, uh, prayer is something that we grow up learning to be the answer. It's sort of that innate reaction of when we're going through hard times. If someone comes to us and they're having a day, bad day, the innate reaction is, let's pray for them. 
or if the world is going through some tragic events, uh, we say, let's pray. But the reality is, it's always a thought. It's never something that we do. We don't pray as often as we should. And oftentimes, prayer isn't our plan A, but it's always our plan B or plan Z. Today's main focal point is this, that we must pray in all circumstances of our life because God is sovereign. All of us, no matter where you are in your Christian walk, we've all gone through various circumstances. We've all gone through the good, the bad, and the ugly, moments that have changed our lives forever, moments that were so good, and moments that were so unfortunate. But the bottom line is, all of us can relate to the fact that we've gone through some good times and some bad. And in today's text, James asks us three questions. And if you look with me in verses 13 to 14, he asks these three questions. Is anyone among you suffering? Two, is anyone cheerful? Three, is anyone among you sick? Now, why does James ask these questions? Is it because he doesn't know his people? Is it because he doesn't know who his readers are? It's not that. In fact, these are rhetorical questions to whom James knows the readers well. And these are rhetorical questions because he already knows what they're going through. In fact, he's like a doctor who knows his patients well enough to already give the prescription. And he says to these specific groups in the church, pray. If you're going through suffering times, pray. If you're going through cheerful times, pray. If you're sick, pray. So let's take a look, closer look at these questions. The first question that we see is, is anyone among you suffering? Now, what is suffering? To suffer is to endure hardship. We see this question being an extension off of verses 7 to 12. In verse 10, it says this, as James gives an example. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Now, James gives an example of people actually enduring suffering. But through the example, we begin to see the different types of sufferings that all of us may go through. Now, the first one is a more um, specific uh, kind of suffering, which is persecution. Prophets of the Old Testament have gone through many trials and they've gone through many hardships because they were essentially the mouthpiece of the Lord. One example is Jeremiah, who's nicknamed the weeping prophet. Jeremiah was mocked and persecuted by his own people, and he was thrown into prison. Jeremiah 32, 2 says, At that time, the army of the king of Babylon was besieging Jerusalem, and Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of the guard that was in the palace of the king of Judah. He, like many other prophets, were persecuted for their role as God's mouthpiece. And then the next example that we see in James in verse 11 is that you have heard of the steadfastness of Job. Now, Job endured hardships for a different reason. You see, he lost his kids. He lost his wife. He lost his uh, you know, great possessions, his health. He pretty much lost everything except for his life. So suffering can actually be more than just some physical hardships that you go through. It can be more emotional, financial, even relational, and the list goes on and on. So when James speaks about these examples of suffering, what is he saying? He's showing us today 
that ultimately none of us are exempt from suffering. Today, all of us go through suffering moments and not one of us can say, I don't suffer. I don't go through hard times. You see, suffering looks different in every single person's life. But the reality is we're all gone through it. Some of us may be going through suffering right now. You just lost your job and you're looking for a new start or your physical health keeps on dwindling year after year or your faith is being challenged at your workplace. And when you stand firm on your faith, you've now become the outcast. You see, no matter how great or how small of a suffering you may be going through, all of us are going through something. And in these moments, James commands us to pray. But why pray? Why pray during these times? We pray not because it's a means to an end. Friends, we pray not because we get the answer that we want. We pray because we get the answer that we need. There are times when we don't know why we're going through the things that we do. But we do know that we are to pray during these times. So what are we to pray for? When you're in suffering moments, what can you pray for? Well, thankfully, James has outlined this in his first chapter of his letter. If you look with me, there's five things that we see. It's pray to be able to count suffering as joy. Pray to have wisdom in suffering. Pray to remain steadfast in suffering. Pray for strength to resist uh, temptation and deception in suffering. And pray for the Lord to sustain us in suffering. So friends, is anyone among you today suffering? Let's pray. The second question that James asked is this, is anyone suffer, uh, cheerful? How, now, you may be thinking that to be cheerful is actually the opposite of suffering. Now, this would assume and, and you'd think that cheerfulness then means the absence of suffering. But then here we see in James chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. In other words, what James is saying is, in the midst of your suffering, you can actually count it as joy. So what James means by being cheerful is this, and actually to get a better understanding of this, we need to look at a different passage, Acts chapter 27. Now to give you the uh, context of Acts 27 is this, that Paul is in the ship and he's with different shipmates and as he's, uh, he's hit with this big storm, and in, this, in the middle of the storm, Paul says this to his shipmates. He says this, And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. What is Paul saying? He's assuring them of what the angel of the Lord has told him. In other words, he's saying, look at what the Lord has done. Look at what the Lord is doing in our lives right now. Have you ever been in a state where everything is going wrong? And like your world is falling apart. But in that moment, there's this gl glimmer of hope. And in that moment, you're cheerful, even though your circumstance may tell you otherwise. You see, to be cheerful isn't to be this happy person. To be cheerful is to be in good cheer or good courage because you have seen and tasted and experienced the goodness of God in your life, even when things may not be turning out well. So while although there may be suffering people in the church, there are cheerful people in the church. 
people who have tasted and seen the goodness of God, no matter what circumstance they may be in. And for these people, the command is sing praise. Now, you may have noticed that in the beginning of my sermon, I said all of the commands is to pray, pray, pray. But here, it's to sing. Is there a difference between singing and praying? Yes and no. You see, singing can actually be our prayer. When we sing praise, we're also praying to God. And when we sing these songs of grace during this morning, we're not just singing songs of karaoke. We're not just singing, we're not in a concert listening to the guitar and, you know, people singing. But we're actually praying these lyrics to our King. So James commands those who are cheerful, who are in good courage, to sing out songs to God. But why do we sing out songs to God? We sing praise because there's two things that we recognize internally um, because the, um, when we do sing praise. First, we, when we sing praise, we recognize that God is the source of our blessing. We recognize that we are in this situation because God is in control. Second, when we sing praise, we recognize the giver who graciously gives without idolizing the gift. I remember when I was young and it was Christmas time and my dad bought me a PlayStation 2. And I was so ecstatic because I really wanted, uh, you know, a PlayStation 2. And so um, at that moment when I opened up the gift, I didn't just open it up and be like, yeah, PlayStation 2, and then run and plug it into TV and just, you know, start playing. What was my initial reaction? My initial reaction was to run to my father to say, thank you. You see, when we're in great circumstances, when we're in uh, a cheerful, when we see the taste of God's goodness in our circumstances, we don't thank the circumstance. We thank the giver who has given us this, the circumstance. Therefore, when you find yourself during cheerful moments, praise God because he's the source of our blessing. He's the gracious giver who has given us many gifts. And as we've received these gifts, we ought to give him praise. Today, church, if you're suffering, let's pray. If you're cheerful, let's sing these songs of praise. The last question, is anyone among you sick? Now, there's a lot actually packed into this one verse and spent hours on this, uh, meditating on this verse. But what does James mean when he talks about sick? Now, initially, when we think of sick, we think of someone who has a common cold or someone who has a virus. But on the other hand, this word can also be translated as weak or to feel powerless. In the New Testament, there's this word, the same word is translated differently. Uh, in, the, in the example of Luke 4:40, uh, the word is translated as sick. And so it says this, Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any uh, who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, being Jesus. And Jesus laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. But then this word, the same word, is also translated as weak in Acts 20, verse 35, which says, In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, is more blessed to give than to receive. So what does James mean by sick? Is it physical, like, you know, caused by diseases, or is it just weakness, powerless? Now, I believe that James is talking to both groups. 
And we see this in his thought progression uh, today. If you look with me in verse 15, he goes on to say, the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. Now this word here, sick, is actually a different Greek word, and it can be translated as being weary. So therefore, I don't think that James is focusing on one single group, but instead, I think this is what he's saying. He's saying all those that need help today, all those that are in their deathbed and critical, all those who can't get up, all those that can't pray, this is who James is talking about. And James here also suggests that there's a spiritual component to illness. You see, throughout this section, James is going from um, praying for healing to the confession of sin. And in verse 16, he says, therefore confess your sins to one another, pray for one another that you may be healed. From this, we see that there's uh, those that are sick sometimes may be caused by something spiritual. To conclude, who is James talking to when he's talking to the sick? He's talking to everyone that needs help. So why is the remedy not just to pray by yourself? It's because you can't do it by yourself. James 14 instead says, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with the oil in the name of the Lord. And we'll be talking more about this next week, actually, as we dive into the idea of praying for someone. But the principle here is still the same. We ought to pray. You see, our response to times when we're weak or sick is not just to lay there like a jellyfish kind of going by the waves of the water, but instead it's to reach out to ask for prayer. Today, if you're spiritually weak, you can't seem to find the strength to pray. I wanna encourage you, call upon the elders of the church and ask for prayer. Now, the initial reaction that we might have is, wait, shouldn't I call the doctors first? Shouldn't I call 911? And yes, don't get me wrong, please do call 911. Uh, please call for medical assistance if you do need it. Because I think it would be very illogical if you were to all, you know, if someone was really sick, we'd be like, okay, let's go to Elder Rock or Elder Moon's house and let's get prayer right now. Um, but then why would James say, call upon the elders instead of saying, go to the doctors? Well, he says that because doctors are not the ones that heal us. I'm going to say that again because I think it's very important. Doctors are not the ones who heal us. Instead, it is the Lord who heals us through his providence. Therefore, the practical implication of this is that when we're sick, we call upon the elders and have them pray for us. You see, the ruling elders of this church are not just decision makers, but instead, they're shepherds. And as shepherds of God's flock, they are to care for God's people. So please, call upon the pastors and the elders of this church and ask for prayer. So these are the circumstances of life that James is stating. There's a circumstance of suffering. There's a circumstance of cheerfulness and the circumstance of spiritual weakness. Now, when we look at these three circumstances, you begin to say that we've all gone through these circumstances before. And so if you're suffering, pray. If you're cheerful, sing praise. If you're sick, call for the elders and pray. But the reality is it's easier said than done. 
when we look back and look at our life currently, isn't it hard to pray during these times? Look at these three questions. The answer to the, of prayer is almost like an obvious answer. It's like when someone asks you today, where's the capital, the pizza capital of the world? And you say, Lansdale, duh. Uh, just kidding. It's New York, right? Uh, but in a sense, you already know that the answer is prayer. You already know that we ought to turn to prayer in all these circumstances. But why don't we pray? And the reason why we don't pray is because during times of suffering, during times of cheerfulness, during times of sickness, we forget that God's in control. We forget who God is. We simply forget that God is sovereign, meaning that he's the all-powerful creator, the one who's in charge of each and every one of our lives, which is why during suffering times, we tend to ask the questions, why me? Why am I going through this? Why do I deserve this? God, don't you love me? And which is why during times of cheerfulness, we're trying to take the credit for, look at what I've done. Look at what I've accomplished. Look at my resume. And during the times of sickness, we don't ask for prayer because we forget that God is healer, that he's the one in control of our life, that he has numbered our days. Today, prayerless in our lives reveals a misunderstanding or misapplication of God's sovereignty. In other words, a life of no prayer is a life that is not dependent upon the Lord. Friends, when we placed our faith in Christ, we profess that He is our Lord. And as the Lord of all creation, the one who is in control, if we truly believe that, then we will pray. Marshall Siegel says this, Providence does not make prayer optional or incidental, but vital and indispensable. Prayer is something that we must do. Today, the reason why we would pray in all these circumstances is because God is sovereign, because God is in control. And because we know that God is sovereign, we can pray with confidence and joy knowing that God's will is being done in each and every one of our lives. Now, this may sound hard to believe, especially for those that are in dark seasons right now, those who are suffering, those who are sick, those who seem like there's no light at the end of the tunnel, where it seems like no one understands you at all, maybe wondering if God is sovereign then why would he place me in this time of suffering or sick, sickness? And that's a valid question. But I do want to encourage you with this. Suffering and sickness is not an outcome, it's not a, a product from the Lord, but it's an outcome from the fall of man. And even though there's evil around us, God is working in these moments, so much so that even these evil acts or times, in the end, serve God's will. Therefore, through these moments of great confusion, sickness, suffering, God is shaping us more and more to be like his son, Jesus. Thomas Watson, a Puritan, once said this, God is a skillful physician. 
He knows what is best. He has trials for the strong and cordials for the weak. God is a faithful physician and therefore will turn all to the best. If God does not give you that which you like, he will give you that which you need. A physician does not so much study to please the taste of the patient as to cure his disease. We complain that very sore trials lie upon us. Let us remember God is our physician. Therefore, he labors rather to heal us than humor us. God's dealing with his children, though they are sharp, yet they are safe in order to cure, that he might do you good in the latter end. Friends, God knows our pain. He knows it well. We know this because Christ went through the most painful suffering for our sake. And because of that, we can find rest knowing that even though we don't know exactly what's going on, God knows and he's in control. Just as Hebrews 4, 15 to 16 says this, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one uh, who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy, find grace to help in time of need. I want to end with this practical application for us. Uh, when I was younger, um, there was this thing that we did at school where it's this, uh, when you're caught in a fire or if you're on flames, you stop, drop, and roll. Now, the only time I ever stopped, dropped, and roll was after I worked out. Uh, and so... Um, I don't know if it's actually true or if it works, but um, that's what we learned. But what if I kind of went a little cheesy on you and I said, stop, drop, and pray. You see, whenever circumstances come your way, when you're suffering, may you stop, drop, and pray. Remember that God is sovereign. That he understands where you are. He's been there and he's with you now. If you're cheerful, would you stop, drop, and pray? Remember the temptations that you want to take all the credit. But remember who God is, the one who placed you in that position. And if you're sick, ask others to pray for you because God is sovereign. And at that moment, I pray that the whole church would stop, drop, and pray. Why? Because he has numbered our days and he's the one in control of our life. Amen. Uh, at this time, let's take a moment to uh, pray, to respond. If you're in these suffering moments right now, would you pray? Would you stop, drop, and pray? If you're in these cheerful moments, would you stop, drop, and pray? And, would, and if you're sick at this moment, would you stop, drop, and pray? And would you fix your eyes on the God who is sovereign, the one who is in control of your life today? Let's pray.